my sort of daydreams were me like doing an overhead kick off the sofa but it was in like a, a men's FA Cup final. No other, no other girls there. The official Manchester City podcast. Welcome to the latest episode of the official Manchester City podcast with me, Rob Pollard, and as always, former City defender, Nader Manua, and I'm delighted to say that we're joined by our first female guest since we revamped the podcast. Today we're joined by Laura Coombs, who joined City Women in 2019. So, Nadam, how much are you looking forward to this? Yeah, very much so. Uh, you know, there's so many different aspects to what Man City is as such, and to get a chance to speak to one of the players on the women's side and England international at that, I think it'll be an absolutely fantastic podcast and I'm very much looking forward to it. Yeah, it should be really good. So here it is, the latest Manchester City podcast in conversation with Laura Coombs. Out towards Kelly, clips in a ball towards Shaw and it's headed in by Coombs! Laura Coombs stooped to head it in from inside the penalty area. Does it matter if this is like if you just if you can roughly talk into it, yeah, right, okay. it sounds really basic, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's definitely a thing. Okay, I've just been told off for of my mic technique because apparently I've been moving too much. Oh, so right. uh, that'll be me. Fidget. The guy does it full time. Doesn't <laughs> yeah. have to use a microphone. <laughs> I always start each guest asking them about their childhood and how they got into football. So do you want to give us a a kind of brief overview of what that journey was like for you? Mine just started at school. I was a bad tomboy and just had boy mates. And they were into footy and I played with them at school and then joined one of their teams after and that's how I sort of got into it. And then um, I didn't join a girls team. I played for a Cholton when I was younger, but it was on their, from their community uh, schemes that I was on one of their courses and one of the coaches said, oh, we got a girls team. So that's how I ended up in girls football. But to be honest, I much just enjoyed playing with the boys. <laughs> Home at first. The young girls now have got role models. They've, yeah. got, they've got something to aim for. How difficult was it for you as somebody who wanted to play football, but the, the mechanism wasn't really in place for yeah. you? Yeah. It's really weird. I thought I was the only girl who liked football because I didn't see any other girls play. I didn't know any other girls. I didn't really even know any sporty girls. <laughs> so I did feel a bit just one of the boys, to be honest. I then joined the girls' team and then sort of had that around me that's when I start to think oh like there are other people like me which mm. is nice Rob do you think that like from a young age you think about turning pro or do you think you just like playing football well I certainly I was one of them kids who you know obviously wanted to I realized very quickly it wasn't going to happen but you, you want to and you know you get posters on your wall and you watch games and you try and imagine yourself in that situation which I imagine for you might have been more difficult because yeah. you haven't got that no clear path you know yeah my my sort of daydreams were me like doing an overhead kick off the sofa but it was in like a, a men's fa cup final no other no other girls there and men's players posters yeah, on your wall um, presumably yeah 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 and then bend it like beckham as well comes out and then it's like Again, she's in a men's team to start with. So, Which players did you have up on your wall if you did happen to come from that generation? I, my mum and dad were a bit, they didn't really like posters. But um, at my hero growing up was Gianfranco Zola. Really? Because I was little around a lot of boys mm. and he was little. So I just thought, I like him. It's not a bad player, He's to be cool. fair. Fantastic player. Yeah. yeah. He really was. 
what, when did you realise then that this was the potential to be your your life yeah, and career? Yeah, not until I was at uni, really. It's like really late. Because even going into uni, it was full-time training, but not a job. So you were having to work full-time and play like, train full-time, so it was a lot. And then, yeah, it seemed like overnight the WSL sort of came about and that was it. It was um, possible. What job did you have? I worked in um, HR. <laughs> I say work, it was, um, yeah, it was part-time. And I had various other jobs. I was a lifeguard. Okay, so it was basically just making do. Yeah, until I really, because I didn't know really other than football. There was nothing else I was really that passionate about. So Was there not the thought in your mind to maybe try and get like a scholarship in America or anything like that? I did have those thoughts, but at 17, I tore my ACL. So at that time, I mean, I'm really lucky that I was involved with Youth England group at the time and they took care of me. But I think if I didn't have that, I don't know where I would have been because there wasn't the help with the clubs that there is now for rehabbing players and getting operations. And um, so at that time, I was speaking to colleges and then that happened and it was like communication line just went. Done, yeah. Yeah. That's a shame. Do you feel this generation of young people now, they're, they're in a... A far different situation to you. Do you, do you almost feel a little like you need to give something back to the game? Do you, do you want to spend the rest of your life working in football, even when your your playing days are over? I think it would be really hard for me to not be involved in some way because everyone I know, all the connections I formed, are through my career, and so to just suddenly one day say that's it, my career's done, walking away. Yeah, I think I'd be in a bit of a bad place for that. So I don't know in what way, but yeah, I, would, I could see myself don't still. Don't about such things. She's 32. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Just a young yeah. pop, you know what I mean? What about... In t- What's up with you? What was your... I know I've, I've done this to another guest. Yeah. I've, I, uh, I was... I was trying, everyone. I was trying to give I was trying to give him career advice and he was like, no, I want to play for, no, yeah. I want to play for a bit longer. Yeah. Exactly, um, yeah. In terms of your degree then, yeah. where where did you do it and, and, and what was it in? I did it at Hearts Uni and I did it in business and HR and it was completely random because I didn't want to do a sports science degree, mainly because I heard it was really hard. The sports science degree was hard. Yeah. I feel like that's the exact opposite of what I kind of feel about that degree. Oh, really? Yeah, I feel like it's the one where someone does sports, so as a consequence they do the sports science degree. I think you it's the I mean? science part. No, 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 no. Let's, not, let's not get into that. <laughs> Yeah, it's like I said, yeah. I think it was the science part because in school I was rubbish at science. So, yeah, I could do the sport, but anything sciencey, I'm like. So, I thought business, you can't go wrong. Get a business in the future. It was real simple thinking about why I went into that. And then I started off doing business and accounting. After one year, I failed miserably at the accounting. So, they were like, what well, do you want to swap it for? And then HR just swooped in. Do you think that degree gave you any skills that you use today or that you might pick up potentially in the future yeah definitely it was completely different obviously to any kind of sport background that i had it involved working with other people that have no sport background so it's like opening new conversations to people and their ideas and yeah i i mean i could definitely see myself going into something businessy in the future in regards to that then so obviously the youth setup's a bit different now compared to when you were first coming through for say young girls who were at that 17 18 years of age type point where maybe they're not really going to be getting into a first team mm-hmm. would you be leaning on them to say go and try out a university or would you say try and just pursue professional football instead i wouldn't necessarily say 
go to university but definitely find something else that you are passionate about I don't think you have to go to uni really to progress in life um I, I would say obviously if football's your dream try your hardest because you don't want to look back and say oh I wish I'd really gone for it but definitely yeah find something else whether it's just another hobby or a passion because you never know where things lead to yeah and you never know yeah, what doors could be open from you just trying something? Mm, absolutely. So let's talk about City. You joined us from Liverpool. What? What's? How did that move come about? I don't really know how it came about. <laughs> well, listen, you're the person who's supposed to tell us. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, I just remember hearing that City were interested and they're one of the top teams, and I was like, okay, they're interested in me. So I definitely got to think about. And then we played them, and I like their style of play. I heard that it's a really professional setup. Facilities are amazing. One walk around to confirm that. So I was like, yeah, I could see myself being here. And yeah, the rest is history. Are you pleased you made that move? Definitely. It did take me a season or two to fit and really find my feet because the level was a lot different to what I'd been used to. So yeah, I think I've become much better player being here which is all you can ask for that must feel really good for you yeah. then to have come to somewhere where at first maybe there's a bit of an adjustment period yeah. but to now feel like you've yeah. you've found your feet that yeah. must give you a lot of satisfaction yeah, massively like my first season i don't know how many minutes i got but it wasn't a lot and i felt like oh, is this the right thing that i've done a lot of people were like oh she's gone there but she's not played yeah and i just kind of felt that i knew i had it in me i just needed time Bear with me on this. I'm going to try and explain this clearly. Okay. Yeah. So, Rob, I'm going to do one of those things again. So, you mentioned the difficulty in terms of coming from, say, Liverpool to City. Yeah. And within Reading Between the Lions, it's like not every club is the same in the WSL. But you stepped up and you got used to it. You made the adjustment. Do you think the adjustment's harder for people coming from teams lower down to the level of like City? Or, say, if you've been at City, then having to go elsewhere and sort of change your expectations as a player? I think both would be hard ah oh, i'm trying to not sit on the fence there but i can only speak from my experience and i definitely found it really tough but also speaking to other people caroline weir came the year before she didn't really have that tough tough adjustment so um for me it was the structure it's quite free-flowing football but also quite structured at the same time um positionally wise and i'd never been at a team like that before so it took me a while to adjust and made me appreciate the level here because it was frustrating going to other teams so yeah both mm. both hard so it's a good question it is a good question <laughs> you talked about the adjustment on the pitch there what yeah. about dressing room wise were you accepted quickly were the people here to to help you with that transition yeah. and, and that kind of thing it was a much more professional environment than where i'd been before and everyone here is mentally so tough that's one thing that i really noticed everyone here's like an international they know what where they want to go with their career they want to be at the top so for me i had to not be so nice at times and that's i've had to learn that a little bit but yeah in terms of everyone here just wants to play with the best players so if you can come in and do well you're accepted by the group what advice would you give to a young person in city's girls academy who may be starting to I had a chance in the first team. If you, you, you had sort of a couple of minutes with them just to really inject yeah. clear yeah. message, what would, the, what would that message be? 
I think I would just say just to bear with it because unless you are ridiculously special, you're not going to break into the team at a really young age. So I just think, come in, you're going to have good weeks, you're going to have bad weeks, you're going to have weeks where you're like, I've trained really well, and then others where you're like, I'm not good enough kind of thing. And I just think you should just bear with it and speak to the coaches and look back at where you've came from, not in the last week, but maybe over the last six months, a good period of time. You mentioned uh, good weeks, and let me sort of expand it a bit more. Which has been your favourite season so far? This season. How come? On the pitch, I've been more involved than I have been, but also off the pitch, I just feel every year I've been here, it feels like we've got a new team every year. Yeah. Whereas this year, I feel like now everyone's here, really wants to be here, really wants to become a top team. And um, it feels really gelled on and off the pitch. And that goes a long way. I didn't realise that until this year. It goes a long way. Give us an insight into that dressing room then. Who is the who's the leaders? Well, definitely Steph. Yeah. She's been here the longest, has every bit of experience you could ever ask for. She's a top person as well. And you can always confide in her and get her opinion on stuff. Um you got Alex, another someone wealth of experience. Um England, playing for England and obviously playing abroad. Yeah, you got a, a fair few people. Yeah. Did you play under Nick Cushing or did you? Yeah, yeah, for about seven months and then COVID and then he went and yeah. What was that transition like? Because he was a bit of a, obviously you weren't here for, for mm. the majority, but he was a bit of an institution where yeah. seeing women were concerned because he'd been there yeah. from, you know, when he came back. Yeah, yeah. What was that period like when sort of he left and Gareth came? Yeah. For me, it was good because I, I felt like I came in and everyone was so far ahead because they'd had so many years with him and learning his structure and his way of playing. So when Gaz came in, it was like everyone was a bit on a level playing field again. So that helped you? It helped me yeah. massively sort of catch up a little bit. But similar messages in how they want to play, I, I think it was quite smooth, to be honest. Um, Gaz came in and... He put a lot of confidence in everyone straight away and everyone liked playing for him. So, And what about the level, the WSL overall? Yeah. I think we can all see, even those of us who aren't anywhere near as involved as yourself, that the level has yeah. really kicked on in particularly in the last yeah. couple of years. Yeah. Do you feel that when you, when you step out there now? Yeah, definitely. And you feel the pressure as well. I saw on the weekend our passing accuracy was like 91% in the game like wow like I'd love to have known a few years ago it would have not been anything like that and I just feel like that things like that are really coming on that would be interesting to see I mean up to have only just started doing the the full yeah. swing of stars but there is the possibility they can go back and look at the games yeah. I think that would be uh that would be interesting yeah. to see because it does feel like it's come on leaps and bounds yeah hasn't it? yeah yeah definitely it's just again I keep going back to like the structure and the philosophy it's like we go into games really knowing what the manager wants of us and it's so clear, I think. And, and that's a manager's job, isn't it? As a, to make it simple for people like yourself. Is that myself? What do you mean by that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you mean? You said I can't take on complex instruction. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, you've got to make it simple for now, you. I, I like coaches who have an idea of how they want and they're capable of coaching into the players so that mm. what we see on the field is what exactly what they want. And as she was saying, as Laura was saying, like, when you walk out on the field and you know exactly what your job is, it's actually very nice. Yeah. And 
it sounds quite boring and dull, but I tell you, a real poor position to be in is when you step out there and you don't know don't what know. you're supposed exactly. to be doing. Like, you won't see people like sort of panicking or anything like that, but there'll be lots of moments within the game which don't go the way that they should do because it, it can be clear. You do work on the training pitch. Yep. And there's obviously a level of fluidity that comes with it because you're playing opposition. You're going to be like, they're not mannequins. They're not going to stand in the same spot. Yeah. But it's nice when I know if I go here, someone's there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it sounds so boring. Trust me, it's magnificent. Yeah. Obviously, Pep's team are probably the, the finest exponents of what you've just described. Yeah. They know exactly yeah. what they're doing. That must make a, a massive difference. Yeah. And I just think that's how, as the season goes on, they're just getting better and better because every week they're again learning more and more about what each other yeah, want this is where i have to jump in because obviously pep's fantastic but the players themselves have all gotten better but they're all sort of like um receptive to new ideas and concepts yeah whether it be a case of the left winger that goes and stands out there and doesn't touch the ball for five minutes but knows that they're doing it for a reason yeah yeah from way back when that left winger be like just give me the ball yeah just i'm coming into play and affecting yep. the whole structure but now there's a greater understanding of why they do what they do even if the thing that they're doing doesn't give them plaudits from the outside. That's mm. a really good point. And John Stone, the, you know, the, the new John Stone's position as well. I mean, if you'd told him six months ago, or even three months ago, he'd be doing what he's doing now, he probably wouldn't have thought he would be doing it, would he? Yeah, listen, winning football games and having like 60% possession is magnificent. You know what I mean? I've scoring 100 goals a season is magnificent. So whatever the route is to get to that, I think everybody kind of wants it. So, yeah, fair play to the managers, coaches, and to the players as well. So, can we ask you about England? Because, mm -hmm. uh, obviously, the, the call-up recently. Was it, were you surprised by that? I was a little bit because I felt like a lot of her previous camps, she'd really kind of made a shift to getting young players in. So, I thought, yeah, I've been playing well and a couple of people maybe been in my ear like, oh, maybe next camp. But I... I just thought, mm, I think my time's gone with that. And I, I was kind of okay with that as well because there's only so many years you can like really want and keep feeling disappointed about it. So, yeah, I was obviously over the moon, but, yeah, it was a bit of a surprise. So when the phone rings, I mean, what what's your, what's your kind of reaction? Did the, and phone, who, and who, did the phone ring? The and who phone, called you? Did the phone ring yeah. or did the you get a letter? Rang. Yeah, it was a bit of a weird one, actually. I was in, first of all, I had... A call off WhatsApp off of a number I didn't know. Obviously. Red flag, huge red flag. Didn't pick up. Yeah, that's like when you ring me. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, Listen, I you called me first. I, so that was you. I don't pick up. I don't pick <laughs> up. Huge red flag. Huge red flag. Sorry, sorry go out. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so yeah, didn't pick up. And then, you know, you like have a little stalk. You're like, who is this? Like, why are they calling me on WhatsApp? So then literally about a minute later, it's like, hi, Serena from the FA. From the FA? Yeah, Very formal from the introduction, FA. that, yeah. Can you give me a call? So immediately I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. So it was just before I was about to go out to training, so I left it. And then after training, I kind of was like, when do I call her back? So I was in the ice bath anyway. She rings me then. I was in the ice bath with Bonnie. And I was like, oh my God, Bonnie. So then I just picked it up and then she was just like... Hi, and then we just chat, and it was really nice, and yeah. Did she say some nice things about the way you've been playing? Because you've contributed a lot. Yeah. You seem to be a bit freer this year. Yeah. You're playing very well. Yeah. You know, that's, did she have anything to say about that? Yeah, she just said, because at first I was like, at the end I was like, oh, thank you for like that kind of thing. And she was like, no, thank you. you. Like You made it quite an easy decision with how much you've contributed to the team so far this year. And she's like, looking forward to bringing you in and have a look at you in our setting so and how did you do it was all right played the Arnold Clark Cup played one game 
we won. Let's connect the dots. But how did you feel in training? Again, it was a little for me, it reminded me a little bit of my first year here. It's because, again, that's another step up. So it's a bit like, right, I need to, I'm not going to let it take a year this time. Yeah, yeah. So I just felt like every day I went out, I was like, tried to be really on it. Can you be your best in that scenario? Because you're, you're so eager to please yeah. or impress and you've only got that window. Yeah. You probably... I mean, I don't want to speak for you, obviously, but you might over, somebody might overcompensate in that situation. Were you yeah, aware yeah. of trying not to do that? I was trying not to, but I was just trying to take the small wins where I could get them. Like, at the end of a session, if I'd done a couple of good things, I'd just like be like, yeah, I've, I've done some good bits today. Yeah, you can always be better, but I just try and take them into the next session. To be honest, Rob, I think that's something that comes with experience. Do you know, like really understanding what a coach wants as opposed to what you think they want. Yeah. I always found when I was playing, a youngster would come over and maybe playing five-a-sides or something. And they might score a couple of goals, but they might be the reason why he conceded four. Yeah. So the young still think, oh, I did really well today. Mm-hmm. I scored a couple of goals. But no one's having him because they didn't do the other side of the game. And they'd rather have someone they can trust to sort of defend together, the hard mm-hmm. bit, yeah. as opposed to solely focus on the first bit. And I think um, that could be something that sort of plays into it. You know, she's uh, she said, she's not old because I'm old. In fact, no, sorry, I'm not old. You're An old. An experience. Yeah. She's she's more experienced than younger people, yeah. 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 She's more experienced at life than younger people. So, yeah, I think that does play into it, yeah. Just in, generally in terms of the growth of the women's game, because it's been very exciting, not even just the Euros thing, which obviously was sort of lit the blue touch paper, but it's been going now for, for a while. How has that felt? And uh, are you kind of aware that you've been involved in... We're going to look back on this period, aren't we, in history as like when it kind of really rocketed. Yeah. Have you been kind of... Are you conscious of that while you're, while you're involved in... Yeah, I'd notice it in attendances, people coming out before the game, after the, staying to see you after the game. That's grown massively in the last year, especially maybe since the Euros. And just... The amount of people now that random people I speak to know our results. I'm like, where were you a couple of years ago? But um, it's great, and I hope it continues going. Um, it helps that the the league this year is like the tightest I can ever remember it being, with so many teams doing so well at this stage, and things like that just make it a bit more exciting. Definitely does. I mean, if you compare the WSL title race to most major men's league in Europe, a yep. lot of them are kind of wrapped up and have been for weeks. There's like, there's so much jeopardy left, isn't there? Even in the, even though we're so close to the end of the yeah, season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every point now is so important. We've got a few questions that we ask every guest. So obviously, I want to give you that opportunity. So the first, I apologise the fact he's using paper. <laughs> yeah, for the people who use the tablet, but for some reason he's gone analog. I'm, an, I'm an analog man. Yeah, I don't know uh, what's going on. Stage thing. I don't know. Gonna put that on record. He's, he's he's been different this week. <laughs> First one: If you could change any rule about in football, what what would that rule change be? Hmm. Interesting. I don't know if this would be, but when someone is injured, this is actually, actually yes, this like really injured, annoys injured me. Injured or in down? The, just down. Okay. They go off. They come back on. The fact that you then have to give the ball back to them, I think, is rubbish. It should literally just be like play from there because a lot of teams just do that to kill momentum so anyway that's my gripe one of my gripes yeah no you're right that's yeah. frustrating um what was the last thing that you binge like book podcast series netflix series whatever or film or whatever what, what was the last thing outside of football that you loved it's really random but alan carr interior design masters <laughs> <laughs> <beg your> <laughs> what was it about that that you loved <laughs> 
I love Alan Carr. I yeah. think he's hilarious. And I do like interior design and stuff like that. So it's just a bit of a, a random thing that I like to watch. You do interior design. I wouldn't say I do it, but I like Interested it. Interested in it. Is that something maybe, maybe when you've got a bit more time? Maybe, yeah. yeah. We always ask every guest to ask our next guest a question, but we don't tell you who that person is going to be. So what question would you ask the next guest on the official Manchester City podcast? I would like to ask them, let me just construct this in my head. Uh Uh-oh. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. What positives came out of the hardest part of your career? That's a great question. Oh, the crack of that. Ben Wilkinson was our last guest, and his question was, obviously, Pep's legacy here is it's been incredible. At some point, we're all going to have to face up to the, the the sad truth that he'll move on, whether that's in two years, three years, four years, whatever. Who do you think would be a good choice to replace him and, and, and what reasons would you give for that? Well, the first person that came to my head was Vincent Company, yeah. just because he's Mr. City. And I think if anyone could carry on Pep's legacy, it would be him. The way he plays, everything. Yeah, and I was looking at that. The job he's done, sorry to digress slightly here, but the job he's done at Burnley this year has been genuinely unbelievable because there's such a high turnover of players and he's not just got them to win the league, he's changed the, the whole style of football. I'm distinctly biased, he's a friend of mine. Has been from before he went to see, so listen, I'm not surprised. That's a good choice. That's a good choice. Would he put on his CV as well that he has a statue outside the stadium just for like, you know, something to take him over the edge? <laughs> Yeah, that's me, just on that's that far pretty, side. That's East pretty side. compelling evidence. Yeah, 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 I think you deserve this because, yeah, yeah you're there yeah, already. Yeah. Good point, that. Little line on the CV, exactly, statue yeah, exactly, at the yeah. stadium. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Fantastic. Well, Laura, thank you very much. I really thank enjoyed you. that. Thank Thanks you for, for joining us. Thank you, guys. Thank, thank you. And this huge city crowd have leapt to their feet and roared their approval because City are level through Laura Coombs. Her fourth WSL goal this season, none more important than that. The official Manchester City podcast with Rob Pollard and Nader Manua. There we have it, conversation with Laura Coombs there, who uh, I really enjoyed talking to. I particularly enjoyed the honesty she showed in saying that it was a struggle for her when she first came to City and that the level was maybe above kind of where she'd been before, but that she, she found her feet and ended up and ended up settling in. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's the hope that we have with this podcast. People, we want them to be able to sit down and be open and honest and really explain their situation, the bigger picture and the like, because... I think throughout most other places, you just hear people just giving stock answers. You get a chance to learn about people, and it was really entertaining, really insightful as well, listening to her. And yeah, you know, just get behind Man City's women's team. Do you feel she was a bit more open maybe than some of the men's guests? And do you think that might be a theme that we get when we speak to women's footballers, that they might be a little bit more open? Do you know what? I think it's case to case. There might be some men's guests who maybe are a bit more open than others but then others they have to be more guarded because I think everyone's out to get them but I think overall from the women's side of things I don't think that's the sentiment just yet long may it be that way and you know, if she's going to be the bar going forward then I think we've got some good episodes ahead She did seem to really enjoy it as well and I always find when you work with women's footballers they're, they're, they're so keen to do stuff like this because they see it as them playing a part in the growth of the game Yeah, um, yeah. and I, think I got that sense today Yeah really. absolutely I think when she talks about her childhood and what the game was compared to what it is now, you know, she's still young. 
you know what I mean? So to see that much change across those years is, is one thing. And, you know, who knows, maybe she can inspire the next generation as well. Thank you for joining us on the latest episode of the official Manchester City podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever it is you do your podcast listening. And for those of you with City Plus subscriptions, make sure you look out for the vodcast version of these podcasts. They go out a few days before they're available elsewhere. Thank you for joining us. Take care and we'll see you next time. The official Manchester City Podcast.